Welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 56. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about what makes you, you. Andrew Olensky, author of the book Untangling Self, a Buddhist investigation of who we really are, says that according to classical Buddhist thought, self is a view. In other words, it is a product of our perception. Perception is something that's always happening. It's the ongoing stream of perceptions that help us to interpret the experience we're having of reality. And this is a process that's happening all the time, from moment to moment. Olensky says that perception is an event that occurs rather than a thing that exists. So we can imagine it like, uh, like we're watching the still frames of a film. Each frame is unique as it's captured, but as it's played in our mind, it's like a continuous film. We see this process as a cohesive narrative or a story. So if we were able to pause this ongoing film that I like to call the perception of life or something like that, and see the individual frames, frame by frame, what would, what would we see? And remember, from the Buddhist perspective, it's not even necessarily about what we see, it's about how do we see what we see. This is where the teaching of the five aggregates come in. Uh, before I jump into the teaching, I want to give a quick update on a few uh, house cleaning items with the podcast. The first one is that uh, starting yesterday, as of yesterday, I started a new job. Uh, many of you who follow the podcast know the, the saga I've been involved with, with uh, losing my company and with the, all the difficulties that arise out of that whole process. Uh, well, I'm happy to announce that I have a new job. I'm the social media uh, specialist at an event center here close to where I live. And it's a really fun gig. So that's something exciting. And the reason I bring that up is because it puts me back in this position I was in when I started the podcast, which is that the podcast for me essentially ends up being uh, a hobby. It's something that I, that I do because I enjoy. I love talking about these topics, um, but it's not something that I do because I have to. I don't have to um, depend on the podcast in any way. So I wanted to mention that because I do think it's important to know that for those of you who listen and, and you gain something out of the podcast and you donate, I really appreciate that. And those donations go towards the maintenance of the podcast and towards the, um, the ability to grow the podcast, to go do workshops, things of that nature. It does not go towards me, like making money. I don't get paid. I don't pay myself uh, fortunately I've never had to. And while I was, um, considering whether or not to find a way to hire myself or, or, you know, find a way to make the podcast my source of income, I'm glad that I don't have to, that may change in the future. Who knows, right? Who knows what is, uh, around the corner, but for now I don't have to. And I really like having that pressure off of my shoulders because it allows me to do this just because it's what I enjoy doing. Um, with that said, I want to also emphasize those of you who do, uh, donate in any way to the podcast. Um, 
the parable of the raft, you know, as these teachings resonate with you and they make sense for you while this is a part of your journey, um, I really appreciate the contributions. If it ever reaches the point where it's no longer uh, part of your day-to-day um, experience with your with your journey, or you know, feel free to jump out, go find, go donate to whatever podcast or whatever cause you're involved with at that time. Um, but um, you know, I, I I think what I'm trying to say is I hope nobody ever feels a sense of obligation to to this podcast or to me. Um, you know, oh, I've been donating. I better keep donating there. It's like use this while it works. Once it's no longer uh, a really useful thing in your life, maybe you've moved past it. You found uh, other sources, another podcast. Maybe this is a stepping stone to wherever you're headed. Um, remember, I view it that way, and I hope you do too. And nobody ever feels locked in. Um, and hopefully, while you do benefit from it, if you are willing, all of the all of the contributions that I'll receive on this podcast, I use to promote the podcast, uh, to advertise the podcast, to help other people discover it, to help people be able to attend workshops. It's used for all of those things. None of it is used for uh, me in terms of employing me in any way. I just wanted to clarify that for anyone who didn't know that that's kind of how that works. Okay. That is the main housekeeping item I wanted to go over in terms of news with the podcast. It's been exciting for me, and I thought it would be fun for a lot of you to know because a lot, a lot of you do follow me with my, you know, my, my life updates. So that's where I am now. Um, so jumping back into this topic, what makes you, you? I've been wanting to share this topic for a while. So I keep a running list of topic ideas. And throughout the week, I look at them, and the one that kind of stands out the most, that's the one that I end up sharing. This one's been on my radar for a while. In fact, last Monday, I started to record this podcast, and about halfway through it, um, the construction team outside of my office decided to start tearing down the road um, and breaking down the cement, and it was just, it got really loud and it was not possible to continue recording. That, that Therefore, I was not able to upload a podcast last week. So that's what happened with that. I ended up uh, missing out on my window, and then I, I flew to Florida, and I, I taught a workshop out there, a corporate workshop in Miami, and then a normal workshop in Orlando. And uh, again, the, the idea of these workshops, just to, you know, the cost of going and putting on the workshop was more than the cost of the people attending. I had 12 attendees. It's about $45, I think, or maybe $50 to attend a workshop. But once you factor in the cost of getting there, um, airfare, uh, rental car, hotel, and lunch, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like the workshop makes any money. It loses money. But I can do that because of the donations to the podcast. So just a quick clarification there. So this topic, what makes you, you, um, it's been on my mind a lot lately. The historical Buddha taught about something called the five skandhas, uh, also known as the five aggregates. These are essentially the five components that come together to make you, you, to make an individual. And one way I like to think of this is, uh, in terms of pizza, I don't know why pizza just popped into my head, but, um, you know, if I were to say, here is a pizza, what are the five aggregates that make up a pizza? Uh, you would look at it and you would say, okay, well, it's dough, um, uh, 
cheese, pepperoni, you know, whatever the elements are that make the pizza what it is, uh, let that that's what we're looking at in terms of us as humans. What makes me me? Well, the Buddha teaches that there are these five aggregates, these five key components to make you who you are. And everything that we perceive as I, the sense of self, is a function of these five components. So try to imagine the perception that you have of you as your sense of self in the context or in the process of these five components as we as I go through them. Um, I often talk about how life is impermanent and interdependent. I think these are two of the key teachings that Buddhism is continually emphasizing, you know, the two eyes of wisdom. Well, another way of understanding interdependence is to understand that all things are conditioned. In other words, to be conditioned is to be dependent on or affected by something else. So this is because that is. Uh, in this sense, we are conditioned or dependent on other things. I am because of other things. So this allows me to pause and ask, okay, well then what are those things? What makes me, me? And I hope that by the end of this podcast episode, this is a question that you really think about as well. What makes you, you? Um, the Buddha taught that there is no independent or permanent self. So understanding the teaching of the five aggregates can be really helpful to seeing through the illusion of the sense of self, the sense of self that we all experience and that we all perceive. So it's not to say that there is no self. It's that the understanding that we have of the sense of self is an illusion. It's off base. So we're going to look at that. And keep in mind that my explanation here is intended to be quite basic. You know, there are various schools of Buddhism, uh, and they all understand these teachings of the skandhas or the, or the five aggregates differently. And as you learn more about them, you may find that the teaching of one school doesn't quite match the teaching of another. You may find that the explanation given by one school is uh, resonates more with you. It's easier to understand versus the explanation of another school. And I think this is why it's always important to keep an open mind and to seek wisdom from various sources, from various approaches, from various schools, from various teachers. So before going into each of the five aggregates individually, I want to uh, talk quickly about uh, the Buddhist view of our sense organs, because we're talking about perceptions here. And if our sense of self is in fact a view, uh, then we need to understand the sense organs, the role that the sense organs make up in our perceptions. In other words, how do I perceive? So from the Buddhist perspective, we have six sense organs. You're familiar, you're going to be familiar with the first five because these are the classical senses of sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste, right? Those are the five classic ones. The Buddhist view adds a sixth one, which is thoughts or ideas. Uh, and the sense organ there is the mind. So we have six sense organs and their corresponding objects. We've got eyes that perceive visible form, ears perceive sound, nose perceives odor or smell, tongue perceives taste, body perceives touch. These are the tangible things we feel. And then mind perceives thoughts and ideas. So we're going to look at these... Um, 
in the context of the five skandhas. So starting with the first skanda, the first aggregate, which is form or, or materiality. Materiality. Form or matter is something material that can be sensed. So these are essentially the five senses I just talked about, the, the first five that we all think about when we think about senses. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching, right? This is visible form, uh, odor, sound, taste. These are tangible things. That's, that's the first thing uh, that makes us who we are, is our form, the tangible. So the second uh, aggregate is sensation or feeling tone. This is the physical or mental sensation that we experience through contact of the six faculties with the external world. In other words, it is the sensation experienced through the contact of eye with visible form, ear with sound, nose with odor, tongue with taste, body with tangible things, and ultimately mind with ideas. So the sensation that we have, that we experience through the contact of these faculties with that external world, that's the second uh, aggregate, our sensations, our feeling tones. Now we can't have those sensations or feeling tones without form first, right? And note here that the, the Buddhist perspective associates the mind as a sense organ, no different than your eyes or your ears. Now, some cultures or societies tend to think of the mind as something beyond the senses, right? Something like a, a, a spirit or a soul. But that concept is out of place in Buddhism. From the Buddhist perspective, the mind is just another sense organ. Um, the, the other thing here, the feeling tone aspect of the senses are associated to how we experience pleasure, pain, or neutrality. You know, neither pleasure nor pain. So the feeling tone we experience through our senses will condition craving. In other words, we'll want more of it, or it will condition aversion. I want to avoid having that experience again. Uh, so think about that with each of the six senses. So the third aggregate here is called perception. And this is the faculty that recognizes. Most of what we call thinking fits into this aggregate. So this is the aggregate of the knowledge that puts together the picture, right? I, I start perceiving, I feel, um, I make that connection between uh, my, my physical senses and what I'm perceiving, and then I start making meaning. This is like the meaning-making machine. It is the capacity to conceptualize and recognize things by associating them with other things. For example, when I recognize a dark hallway, um, you know, I, I associate that to scenes that I've seen in a scary movie of dark hallways with eerie music playing. So the sensation, uh, the, the perception that I have at this moment of feeling scared because I'm in a dark hallway arises out of these associations that I have with experiences in my past. So when we see something for the first time, we start scanning, we scan our memories, we try to find anything that might be associated with what we're perceiving. And if we, if we don't have an index card in the library of our mind, then we may just associate the perception with its context. For example, 
I perceive this apparatus in front of me to be a car part because I'm seeing this while standing at, you know, in a mechanics auto shop and over there, there's a car being fixed. So out of context, I extract meaning to decide this thing I'm perceiving in front of me, therefore must be a car part. Um, so that's perception. The fourth aggregate or the fourth skanda is mental formation or thought processes. And this is where we start to find the biases and the prejudices, the interests and the attractions that arise in our thought processes, and it affects how we perceive, it affects our perceptions. In other words, this aggregate affects the other aggregates as well. For example, uh, stinky cheese. You know, why do some people like stinky cheese and other people don't like stinky cheese? What mental formations or thought processes are affecting the perception that we have at that specific moment? Uh, in this way, the mind always precedes the mental states that we're experiencing. And I'll get back to that uh, that um, example in a minute. I want to talk quickly about the fifth aggregate. The, this is consciousness or awareness. And this is essentially the reaction or the emotional response that we have to the object at the moment or in the moment. And again, it applies to the six sense faculties. For example, visual consciousness or seeing um, has the eyes as its basis and what we see as its object. Um, audible consciousness has ears as the basis and what we hear as the object. Mental consciousness has the mind as its basis and an idea or a thought as its object. So once we become aware of this relationship that we have between the sense organ and the object being sensed, then we become aware that there is an emotional response taking place too. We either like it or we don't like it, we want it or we don't want it, and there's a whole range of responses taking place regarding the experience we're having. As Olensky says in his book, we never just notice an object, we engage with it emotionally. And we're doing this all day long with everything. And I think this makes sense for most of us when we think of um, perceptions with physical things, right? The sounds I hear, you know, if, if I'm sitting there and uh, a fly is buzzing around my ear, I'm associating, there's the experience I'm having, but then I have a mental formation that's telling me, do I like this or do I not like this? Is this annoying or am I okay with it? So our sense of self is created by the emotional responses we experience and each moment to moment. The moment we see something, the sensation of the person who sees it emerges, right? I see something and then I have the sensation that who is the me that's seeing it? So that sense of self emerges. Olensky says the self is created by our emotional responses as they unfold each moment. When we crave for an object of experience, then the person who wants it is constructed. When I generate aversion towards an object, then the person who hates it comes into existence. Now this is this can be a really important thing to understand in terms of the sense of self that I'm experiencing. It allows me to perceive reality, 
to perceive the world around me, but also to pause and say, well, who is this that's perceiving? The Buddha wove his explanation of these teachings uh, of, the, of the five aggregates or the five skandhas into a lot of his teachings. And the most important point he made about these teachings, in my opinion, is that he emphasized that these skandhas are not you. These aggregates are not you. These are temporary, interdependent, conditioned phenomena. And he taught that clinging to these aggregates as me, as I, is the illusion. It's an illusion. So when we realize that these aggregates are just temporary phenomena, conditioned on other phenomena, which are also temporary, but they are not me, then we're on the path to enlightenment. So I was thinking about that example earlier, you know, with stinky cheese. Someone may have had the experience, let's say in the past, of um, enjoying stinky cheese with, you know, at their grandparents' house with someone that they deeply cared of. And this, this causes an emotional relationship to the sensation of smelling stinky cheese. And maybe that could play a part at some point in, you know, down the path of life where, they don't have a problem with it. In fact, they might like it. It, um, you know, it's, it's a pleasant experience where at the same time, someone where at the same time, someone else may have the opposite, you know, the, the mental association of smelly cheese reminds them of somebody's feet in, in school when they took their shoes off or something along those lines. But you get, you, you get what I'm trying to imply here is that our physical, our, our sensations, our perceptions have emotional connections to them. That's what one of the things that we're trying to learn through this sense of the skandhas. So the first one is form. Uh, think of material things, matter. The second one is sensation. This is, um, you know, the feeling tone. Then there's perception. And then with perception comes the mental formation. This is the fourth one, mental formation or thought process which leads to the fifth one, the consciousness or awareness that we have. And again, the, this is the, the awareness or consciousness of, um, you know, the ears as the basis and what I'm hearing as the object. Uh, something I want to share, one of the teachings of the Buddha regarding the, the skandhas, he says uh, in the, the Majima Nikaya, uh, this is one of the discourses, uh, 22, and you, you, you can research all these just by Googling them, but um, this translation says that whatever is not yours, abandon it. What is it that is not yours? Material form, feeling, perception, formations, consciousness. These are not yours. When you have abandoned them, that will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. That's what the Buddha had to say regarding these five skandhas. So I want to go back to the question of what makes you you. I think the short answer is, well, all these things make you you, but none of them are you. It's like recognizing that this is how I am right now, but it's not what I am. It's like recognizing this is the way I perceive certain things, things that I like, things that I don't like, but that's not even me. There's no... You know, when, when I, I don't know if you like Brussels sprouts or not, but, you know, if you don't like Brussels sprouts, 
you'd have to ask yourself, is that me that doesn't like them? Or are there temporary aspects of me? Maybe the taste buds that I inherited um, that, you know, allow me to experience or not experience bitter taste. Like, is that the reason why I don't like them? Or is it me as this inherent me that there's this, yeah, I don't like Brussels sprouts. It's like, no, my mouth, you know, my taste buds don't like them. I think that's a very different uh, relationship to have with the experience. You know, what I like or what I don't like versus what, uh, you know, what sits well with me emotionally or even physically. No, I can't eat that because it makes me sick. Uh, things like that. Um, so that's that's the idea of the understanding that we gain through these five aggregates. It helps us to um, relate differently to the sense of self that we all experience because we all experience the sense of self that says, um, here I am seen or here I am uh, hearing or or thinking, you know, the thinker of the thoughts, the listener of the sounds, the seer of the sights. Um, none of those is you. And that's what it's trying to get at. So that this allows us to start to observe without attachment. It's being able to see this is what's unfolding in my sphere of reality and my perceptions. Um, even even the emotional associations, the mental formations I'm making between these perceptions, I can still pause there and say, well, that's not me either. So this whole idea is about learning to observe without attachment. This is what we practice when we sit and meditate, right? We, we try to switch from that thinking mind to the observing mind. What do I see if I'm just seeing what's there, not making meaning of it? You know, I don't have to think, oh, um, you know, I don't like this. Well, now I have to, this allows you to go deeper and say, I don't have to think uh, about the feeling of the feeling either. I don't have to have thoughts like, well, I don't like that. I don't like this. You know, I can observe that too. And if you want to learn more about this entire topic, um, I have several books that I really enjoy on this topic. Um, the one I think I'm going to recommend uh, for this specific podcast episode is Andrew Olensky's book, Untangling Self, a Buddhist investigation of who we really are. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. Um, I think it's on my book list on secularbuddhism.com forward slash books. Um, but that book will give you more insight into the Buddhist understanding of the sense of self. Why do we perceive such a strong sense of self? Uh, so that's all I have for this podcast episode today. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes, all of that helps. If you would like to join our online community, please visit secularbuddhism.com forward slash community. We do have an online weekly sangha now that meets Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, um, and that's all done online using a platform called Zoom, but you can get all the information on secularbuddhism.com forward slash community. So feel free to join us there if you'd like to continue these discussions with a, a group of like-minded individuals. Um, and if you would like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with this podcast, also visit secularbuddhism.com where you can click the donate button 
um, there on the top of the website. That's all I have for now, but I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Thank you for joining me. Until next time. Thank you.